Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello, beautiful. Oh, hello. I'll take that. Hi, (laughs) how are you doing? Oh, happy Monday. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day is what I meant to say. Yeah. Mm. How have you been? How's your week been? Actually, actually, I have to say, you have some news for us, Tracy, don't you? Do a I? New, a new addition to the family. Oh, yes, because last time we were waiting, weren't we? Ah, yes. Okay, I have a new nephew. Oh, Wait. I'm going to do a drum roll. All right, sorry. Nephew, eight pounds something. And I'm terrible at remember the dates. Mum and baby, healthy, happy, thriving. Apparently this child is so laid back. I was like, we've got a laid back gene in our family for sure. And everybody's blissfully happy. And my brother and his his partner are in this bliss bubble right now. And I keep getting videos and photos, which is very nice. That's amazing. Um, That's great news. Into into your family kingdom. I feel like doing a Lion King moment. (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny that was lovely so I get lovely pictures just had a bath yeah bless him looks like they all look like little old men when they come out <laughs> so apparently again I'm going to be cutting Lion King circle of life isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it so the Lion King seems a little bit of a very much appropriate here do you know what the Lion King thing that's what it's like, literally holding up, take a picture. <laughs> and they sent it to me. Actually, they said that. It reminds me of Lion King. So cute. It looks like that scene in Lion King. Um, what else? And then, uh, yes, this, the weekend I went and celebrated a friend's birthday. Beautiful. I just think so lucky that we've got so much beauty, natural beauty in this, in this, in a city, in a major city. I guess that's why I live here. There's so much natural beauty. But, but yeah, compared to where I grew up. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think we're uh, walking around, I mean, <clears> yesterday <throat> I was walking around in the city in Sydney, in Newtown and in Paddington. And you're right, yeah, it is, it's a very beautiful place to be. I think what really helps, though, is is the weather, is the sun. I mean, mm. there's some, I remember I actually was was walking through Paddington and it reminded me a little bit of London. And I remember thinking, what's like, the only thing that's slightly different is the, is the weather, is the sun. And so, yeah, the natural beauty is here, for sure. Mm. 
I think mm. the I think the bonus that Sydney has is that the sun tends to visit a little bit more often than it does in the UK. Yes, just a little bit. So yeah, it's beautiful sunny. Like even yesterday, we're in winter now, right? We're yeah. in the heart of winter. So we we rock up at this restaurants on the beach, pretty much. You could just see all the surfers out in the surf from where we were. And they're not dining outside because it's winter. But my friend, whose birthday it was, said, oh, can we sit outside? And there was a little patch in the corner where it was sunny, where the sun was hitting. So yeah. we sat there and we were totally fine to sit outside in the winter with no coats, wearing, you know, whatever we were wearing. Yeah. Up until a point in the late afternoon, it was getting really windy. It's been quite windy. But yeah, it's beautiful. Just have the sun and yeah, lovely. Lovely, lovely. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And what about you? What have you been doing? Um, well, yesterday I went for an audition. Um, I'm not an actress, as everyone probably knows. Um, but I've signed up for some extra work for some extra cash in the back pocket. And uh, I'm not from, too familiar with the process. Um, and so yesterday was the first time that I'd been called up for an audition. It's for a commercial for um, a insurance brand and obviously the agency that I'm with they basically sent through my details and I rocked up along um, to this audition and um, I'm fairly familiar with, with the audition process because I've worked on the other side of the business mm. so I've worked in casting before um, and so it was interesting to see what it felt like on the other side of the camera um, and so you literally just rock up and you have, you have a 10 minute time slot and they call you in and it's very much a casting couch. And so you're basically given a, a certain direction and then you follow it. And then you do a couple of takes and then that's it. And then that's your audition. And then if you're successful, if you're chosen to be in the piece, then, um, then they reach out to you. Okay. So, so you like have to read a script or something? No, no, it's not. It's not a, it's not a, a reading part because with extras, it's literally like you're in the background. Mm. So, uh, but even if you're in the background, it's uh, a lot of organizations or productions, should I say, a lot of productions, um, they still put you through the casting couch process because they want the, they want to hit the look and feel of the advertisement. And, um, and so there was a number of characters um, that were required to make up this advertisement. And the one which I, the category that I was actually placed in, which I felt was quite interesting, mm-hmm. the category that I was placed in was the 50-year-old woman. Oh, you probably won't get it. And that's exactly, so when I, <laughs> when I turned up to the... Um, she don't look in it. Yeah, so when I, when I turned up to a location, as I was walking into the location... Mm. three other women walked in with me and when I looked at them this was even before I stepped into the location I, I actually thought no nah, this is I'm not gonna get it and this, I'm not what they're looking for that's no. what those are the words that went through my my mind and that's not negativity there it was no. realistic it was based on a realistic observation the three women that walked in with me they were clearly what I would define as in between 52 and 60 uh by by a long shot mm. and um, and I when I when I was when I was comparing myself with them because we were all sitting in the same room mm. little room together and it was it was very clear uh, I basically wore a black t-shirt no sorry I wore a white t-shirt a a very a, a, like a green overcoat and a pair of jeans and trainers 
And the reason being is because the, again, they give you some direction around um, what kind of, what a character will be doing. And this character in her 50s would be hailing a cab. So I thought that would be appropriate. And uh, then as the, as, uh, then as there were two other people who were in front of me or in front of us, and when they came out of the room, again, they looked very much 52 to 60 years old, I was starting to say. And so when it came to me, I was thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get this one. Not if, if that's the target that, that they're aiming to hit. But I went in, you know, obviously it's a process. One thing that I found was that I started talking just naturally as I do with the um, casting director. And um, we ended up talking about sunglasses and the, the art that was behind in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, what I noticed was that he gave me a few more chances or a few more takes than the two women that had come before me. Right. So the two women that had come before me, you could actually hear them through the room. Oh, right, yeah. And they were given about two takes of, you know, you're basically asked to stand on a, on a spot and then um, uh, pretend like you're hailing a cab from two directions. Mm. So, well, with traffic coming from two directions. That was it, simple. And so it, it was quite kind of, there was quite a quick turnover. And that's hence, that's the reason why I saw the two ladies in front of me. And I heard everyone could hear them through the, through the room. And when it came to me, and maybe it was because I, was, I wasn't very good at the direction, but I got about four or six takes. Okay. So, so maybe it was because I wasn't that familiar with what I was doing, or maybe maybe he was giving me more of a chance. I don't know, but um, and maybe he felt sorry for me because he knew that he was he was probably thinking, hold on, this this girl doesn't look like she's in her fifties. She's turned up to the audition. Let's give her a, let's let's give her let's give her some more chances. I don't know, but yeah. that was quite good. And uh, but it reminded me the whole experience reminded me of my A level theatre study days. Oh wow. <laughs> For sure. It was very much in that in that elk where I remember, and again, I'm I'm going way back here into the memory bank. And um, when I was when I was 16, 17, 18, I I did an I did an A-level theatre studies of course. And um, and it was very much a, it was uh, spontaneous scenarios. And it was very much like that scenario where you're given a very, very basic um, role mm-hmm. and then and you, know, you take your fingers and you're off and that's what it reminded me of so um and yeah so that was it and it, it lasted what about five minutes and then you're out of a room so it's easy so yeah nothing nothing gained nothing lost okay that's really interesting that was so you have to learn anything you just take direction yeah because because remember it's not a it's not a leading part it's not actually a speaking part it's a you're you're in the background or what's happening is because it's a commercial chances are there's a voiceover and so you're simply there conveying the image of what voiceover is saying right i got it it's just and how long does that whole thing like take like does it take a lot of your time no, it's like the actual, it probably took, it took about 10 minutes. It's five minutes, five minutes waiting in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. And then it was another five minutes actually doing the piece. Hence, I hence I mentioned about, because I was there for five, waiting for five minutes. But during those five minutes, there was, there was a turnaround of two people. And when I went in there, he seemed to give me a lot more longer time. Mm-hmm. So it was about 10 minutes all in all. So it's pretty mm-hmm. good. 
cool. Yeah, and it was quite good because I got to chat to a few other people there. And it turns out that the location I went to, it's a common location that they use for auditions. So right. I've got my name on the extras list. If it comes up again, I know what I'm doing. Oh, that's good. I'm definitely, well, as I was saying, it's exciting. I put my name down as well because I thought it'd be fun. Fun to uh, do. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of extra cash in the pocket. And also, you know, we here we are, Tracy. We're doing a podcast around diversity and inclusion and equality. And, you know, in in the Australian landscape, there just isn't enough colour. Yes, so we need to be there. We're going to be like, the representation. People like me and you, we need to put our names down on these lists to yeah. get the chance of representing our groups. Exactly, because there's just, there's, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So there you go. Another reason, another great reason to sign up. So we will see. Okay. Now we talk, you know, as we do, we share about news around the world. And I get a growing concern about what I'm hearing about American politics lately. It seems that the voice of anti, even anti-racism, I have to say, anti-racism which is you you might you may perhaps think is a good thing has become so polarized now that it's become it's almost like anything you do for that positive intention is used against you as racist against white people so we're talking about positive discrimination a positive discrimination is one way to look at it but I'm just talking about anything now like just even having diverse people on in the media so not you know intentionally choosing a black person because you want to have more representation would be seen as discriminating against white people you see what I mean so I'm seeing that becoming a growing growing loud attitude in America what would you say would be the difference between what's what we term as positive racism and the token black person? Well, the, the, to me, the difference is the quality. It depends what you're talking about. If you're talking about a job, is that person um, got the skills and the experience? Yes. Then, this, then you're giving them an opportunity to raise the diversity of your workforce right but you wouldn't just pick someone just because they're black if you're only picking them for that reason and they don't add value and they don't have a voice and they're not respected then it's tokenism to me that's the difference and that's in a workplace context but yeah to me that's the difference you're doing it to you're doing it to tick a box and you're not doing it in a kind of fair and just way and it's about equity again not equality, where the idea is you treat everybody equally because that doesn't work because everybody doesn't start out from the same place. If everybody started at the same place, treating everybody equally would, would work out, but everybody doesn't. Yeah, so, well, it doesn't, it, doesn't uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't be an issue. Nobody would bat an eyelid. Well, equality then would, would work is what I mean. But yeah. equity is putting in things to help people come up to the same level. So they have the same opportunities to thrive. That's the difference. Yeah. And I think, and now people are t- kind of, to me, they're twisting it 
to focus on like it's a disadvantage to non underrepresented or marginalized people but anyway this story just I didn't even know about this but apparently in Florida they have a don't say gay bill and the bill is I guess legislation that they want to bring into into law in the U.S. so they've amended this bill and it's called the don't say gay bill which requires schools to inform parents of their children's sexual orientation within six weeks of learning that the student isn't straight. And the amendment was filed, what this says, when was this? Oh, this is like a year ago. So this has already been ongoing. This is an old story. Um, but I didn't know about it. Mm. I no, mean, not I haven't heard about this. No, so it's over a year ago. And the original version of the legislation required schools to inform families of their child's LGBTQ plus status, but gave an option for exemption for the outing in cases where educators feared it could lead to abuse, neglect or abandonment. So basically, yeah, I don't know. If the amendment, I, I, wouldn't, I would think that the families of these children know, unless it's saying that, they're informing everyone, not just the family of that person. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm a bit confused in the sense that uh, I'm not sure why why sexuality or um, gender would be an issue, and also, um, doesn't it? But I maybe I'm not hearing it correctly. Um, but it seems like it's putting a an expiry date on when someone can either come out of the closet or be comfortable enough to share their sexuality. It's more saying if you learn that your student is LGBTQ plus, it's identifying as that, you've got to inform their parent, their family. And it might be that the child can confide in the teacher, but not their family. Maybe there's something at home where they don't feel they can reveal that. Maybe. I don't know. Is there a, is, wasn't there an expiry date on it, though? Wasn't there a... Well, the teachers have six weeks to report that. Yeah. Six weeks. So um, for me, that just it sounds like there's an expiry date. There's a there's a deadline there um, of of informing, and it just seems so. Um, it just seems so formal, and it just seems so. Uh, yeah, it just it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem that great. Yeah, well, this is the thing because, because it's you know we talk about we talk about you know when we talk about identification as a journey, for example, you know that journey can take a, a number of weeks, and so to put in a stipulation of six weeks, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Well, to but, me as well, what's it got to do with the school? Like, what's what's the to me? What's the purpose of informing their family? Like, what's the purpose? I'd say maybe not every case, but most cases, the families will know. I guess the, it's the cases where the families don't know. And if the families don't know, that means that, that that child doesn't want to tell them for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. It seems common sense, really, doesn't it? So what's what's the purpose of telling their families? Like, but anyway, let's just let's see what it says. Maybe it's maybe it's to do with communities. It's like they the schools are seen as um as a main beacon of that community. 
And it's there, the school seems to, especially in America, America, with America, the community is really big and the community is made up of, you know, um, the church, for example, in the community and the school in the community, they're seen as very, um, they're seen as very integral to that community base. Yeah, but then it should be, it shouldn't be legislation because it's going to be context dependent. Absolutely. So this is saying there's no exceptions. So apparently when this bill originally came out, it said um, that the bill first said that you, you have an option to notify families, but except if you felt there, would, there could be abuse or neglect or abandonment of that child. So that was an exception. And I didn't, don't think there was a time frame on it. But now they're amending it to give it a time frame and there's not being any exceptions. You know, it's actually, that's interesting because for me, I think about, oh, why is that amendment come about? And it makes me think that maybe a situation happened, a situation occurred um, whereby, you know, these, these very strict and stringent regulations were thought of as a good idea. That's the only way I can make sense of that. Mm. I just think they're not. I just think it's people with uninformed opinions making these decisions. It instructs school leaders to develop a plan using all available government resources to inform parents about their children's sexual orientation through an open dialogue in a safe, supportive and judgment-free environment that respects the parent-child relationship and protects the mental, emotional and physical well-being of the student, which I think is impossible to do if you've just got one hard rule, the no flexibility. And it says another amendment to this bill, HB 1557, notes the potential risk that outing them could have on Florida students. It would allow students to sue the Florida Department for damages of irreparable harm caused by the disclosure of their sexual orientation. I just think it's taken away freedom. I mean, if you really care for that child's well-being and safety, you can have a discussion with the child about whether they've talked to their family, uh, how they feel, their family would react. You can coach that child through that decision, but I don't think you can just do it on their behalf. I just I don't know. It's quite ironic, isn't it? I mean, with stories from Florida, we're talking about the land of freedom of speech. Not really. Well, I guess. So it's quite ironic there, I think. <laughs> and it says every parent hopes that our leaders will ensure their child's safety protection and freedom and today's conservative politicians in florida rejected those basic values by advancing legislation that is designed to target and attack kids who need that support the most kids from lgbtqi plus community biden press secretary said in a meeting but it's not an isolated action in florida they're seeing more and more Republican leaders taking action to regulate what students can and cannot read, what they can and cannot learn, and most troubling, who they can or cannot be. And this is who these kids are and who these legislators are trying to make it harder. And I just think it's terrible, really is. And do you know what I, I think? I mean, I'm just totally speculating. I have no idea. I think people are scared because we're getting more and more children that are saying that they're non-binary or that they're they're not the non-binary sexuality. You know, I heard one yesterday 
my friends telling me that their child has said that they their friends at school and this is still primary school we're not high school is omnisexual and like that's a new one on me what does that yeah. mean it's yeah. like I've not heard that one. So this was yesterday when you were out at your lunch. Well, um, this is a friend's child. Okay. They've, they've, they've told them that they're pansexual. Okay. Uh, yeah. They're pansexual. And pansexual um, means that you're attracted. You're not attracted to the gender. You're attracted to the person. Yeah. Sexually. Okay. So that's what that means. And then they're telling their parents that they've met a friend at school who's told them they're omnisexual and then I was like how old how old are we talking here Tracy we're talking like primary school so like seven eight nine that those kind of ages which is the age that they're targeting with this legislation so 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 it'd be an eight-year-old saying to another eight-year-old that they are omnisexual yes okay well I've got (laughs) sorry I've got two I've got two (laughs) I can't remember being eight years old and thinking about sexuality and thinking, I, I, yeah. I oh, I did. I did it even younger. I, I, I did in the sense that I have a boyfriend and people will say, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And then I had a boyfriend at school. Yeah, I had a boyfriend at six. Gosh, you know what? I must, I must have really had my head in the books because I don't remember thinking about you know who I'm attracted to but it wasn't in a it wasn't sexual per se it was you know adults have part you see that right you're kind of playing it out it's not the same as an actual relationship well if that's the case or see if this is the thing if that's the case then how how do we know that an eight-year-old or seven eight-year-old because you know you like imagine like some kids are like oh, when I'm when I'm growing up I'm gonna marry someone just like you daddy like you've got the idea already that it's a man it's not full-fledged about sex it's not about that it's about what you envision even from a child yeah, and it's influence that could change in a few years yeah it could change it could change yeah, yeah. so matter. so so the other aspect that about a few aspect about that that comment was so what is omnisexual right so here we are so i asked the same question and my friend asked her daughter was like what does that mean so omnisexual means that you you are like bisexual in in effect however you're bisexual so you will you will, you're attracted to both genders but you've got a preference for one <laughs> <laughs> but you know no, no, not a preference so does that mean that you're sitting on the fence but one bum cheek is more dominant on one side than the other no it means you will date both but you slight you slight that's a very good analogy then sitting on the fence but one bum cheek is slightly more oh yeah probably yeah. yeah yeah yeah. i think that's a very that's good, a good, analogy. good if you yeah, think about where your bum cheeks are placed yeah exactly so yeah. but you know you slide slightly more to one way i don't oh, so really know words, so in other words you're not just you're not just batting for both teams when you bat your ball tends to land on one side more than the other yes brilliant Magic, you have a way with words. Mm. My word, we yeah. learn something new every day, don't we? We do. Yeah. And I just think, and this is what I think people are scared of. I think people are hearing this kind of stuff and and afraid. 
And to, uh, for me personally, I care because people can change, grow, learn, develop, be flexible. I think I think what is great about it is that kids don't feel they have to be anything. They don't have to be straight. They don't have to be gay. They don't have to be anything. So they're just having ideas about what they feel they are and that might change and it might not. Who cares? So I think, but I think there's people that are very scared by that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're getting all this backlash. I don't know what they're afraid of. I'd love to, I'd love to know. I, I, I'm assuming they think it's harmful in some way and I'd love to know how they well, think it's, it's probably in the same way when there was fear in the um, late 70s, 80s um, when it came to homosexuality. And then mm. in the 80s, in the early 80s, when um, when the AIDS pandemic hit, it was that same fear of that then was completely exaggerated. So maybe it's it's from maybe it's coming from that same place. I just think if you're making just I just think if you're making decisions based on fear, of what you need to start really worrying about that. It's it's yeah. Anyway. So that's that story and it's very sad and it's old and we know even since that year ago there's been more legislation in Florida that limited and restricted the rights of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how uh, uh, what effect that's had a year on and and, it, and it's good to have learned what uh, the term omnisexual, omnisexual is, which is great. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to turn, um, I'm going to turn the topic slightly and um, turn it towards the topic of Disney. Um, there's uh, an article in the Guardian and the headline is swimming now has a wave of diversity to drown out Little Mermaid protests. And the article is about some of the comments or backlash that has been made since the release of Disney's The Little Mermaid, where the main character, is it Ariel? Yeah. Um, is played by uh, Hallie Bailey, who's a black talent. So I'll go on to read the article. It says, Disney has always been at the heart of breaking down barriers in society and swims against the tide in its diverse casting and smashes the patriarchal system out of the water. As Disney celebrates its 100th year, I can't help but reflect on what Disney has taught me, that anything is possible. Disney might be fiction, but our youth of today look up to the characters as role models. So who Disney represent and how they represent them is real. That means the repercussions of racism and abuse towards Disney characters can be damaging and impactful as racism towards people. Last week, Disney's Little Mermaid hit our screens, and I'm excited for the world to see it. But the movie has been a hot topic of conversation over the past year, as Halle Bailey, a talented Black actor, takes on the role as Ariel. It's disappointing to say the least that waves of complaints and dislikes have come to the surface simply because Ariel was white in the original cartoon movie, but to hear the common myths I've been trying so hard to shift for many years in sport has hit me harder than I expected. I grew up with a familiar phrase that black people don't swim and black people sink in water. But to still hear these comments regarding a movie in today's society is very disappointing. I decided to step away from competitive sport last year and it took me a sporting lifetime to say I was proud to be a swimmer. But I know negative stereotypes can act as a barrier to people participating in sport. 
Why set your children up to fail in a sport they won't succeed at? For people of color, this is a question many parents will ask themselves before putting their children in swimming lessons. Since retiring, I've made it my mission to provide opportunities for the disadvantaged and underprivileged children and further eliminate the negative stereotypes around black boys and girls swimming. So this is written by a, a speedo ambassador who's obviously who was obviously put off from sport because they didn't have enough role models. And so they've written this article um, for The Guardian, um, celebrating and voicing about how happy they were to see um, a role model in, um, in Halle Bailey, who plays Ariel as um, The Little Mermaid. Yeah. So, and it's an interesting one because it's um, because the, the backlash comments used that stereotype of black people don't swim they sink in water they've used those comments mm-hmm. and used that as backlash and thrown that as comments to back up their criticism of the little mermaid being black honestly i can't it's just so ridiculous it's a fictional story and the fact that she's black even if if she was asian it wouldn't matter like, it's not relevant to the story. It's not going to make a difference in how the story plays out. I just don't think, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. But, yeah, the fact that that's really interesting to talk about the stereotypes they use to justify their complaint because we don't see a lot of black swimmers in sports. Mm. You see a lot of black people in other sports, um, but not in swimming. Why do you think that, Yvonne? Why do you think that is? Well, this is the thing. We have talked about this before on the podcast. And for me, like I, it's partly where you grow up and whether, and representation. Like I grew up in a town, there's no water, the swimming baths, but I don't know how often did you go swimming? I remember I had, we had swimming lessons. Yeah. It was um, as part of, as part of a part of the school curriculum. Mm. It wasn't a necessity to pass, but there was a necessity to attend. Mm. And, but I wasn't necessarily encouraged to swim. And in fact, I was, I've always been not very confident in the water. And it was only until I decided that I was going to be moving to Sydney when I was 26, 27 years old, I actually, before I moved to Sydney, I actually booked some swimming lessons at, I remember Victoria, around Victoria Station in London. Hmm. I booked swimming lessons, adult swimming lessons um, to become more confident in the water. Maybe, yes, if I had seen Indian people in the water, maybe that would have changed my way of thinking when I was younger. But because I, I didn't see, um, I mean, I'm not saying that that's, that's, that's the blame. I don't know if it would have made a difference. Mm. Um, but I, I ended up taking it upon myself to take swimming lessons when I was older. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I'd say at school we had swimming lessons. Hayden was in the swimming gala once at high, no, primary school. But I just never really enjoyed swimming. And, you know, it was partly in my hair. Honestly, that was part of the thing. It sounds silly, but it was a real hassle because I had like hair, it's long hair extensions, braids down to here. So fitting that in a swimming hat, forget it. It was it. And you had to wear swimming hats if you were yeah. swimming like 
Yeah, you do. You just have to wear a swimming hat. So that was part of it. And also, chlorine just wrecks Afro hair. It's yeah, I was going to ask about that because I didn't. I don't know about how the impacts of chlorine. Um, yeah, chlorine, because it just dries dries your hair. Right. So was... you know that's really not great for your hair. Honestly, it sounds silly, but it's true. So it's, why it's why do you, so uh, why do you think that there's a lack of black men and women when it comes to the swimming arena? I just think it's the stereotype. It's about representation as well. And it's practical things like hair. I know it sounds silly, but it is. And that's why when we talked about this before, we found that there's a black company making swimming hats for black people. No, that's, designed- great, that's great. But I'm sure, but let's say, for example, um, oh, no, I'm, I'm picking males, black males, for example, if they shave their hair. Oh, I mean, it's not so much an um, issue for men. You're right. So well, well, again, because like I, I can't remember... I'm trying to, I'm actually struggle, struggling to find a name, a person's name who is of black origin and who's good at swimming. I haven't seen an, I haven't seen any Olympian. I haven't seen any sports person. Well, the guy, I, well, the guy that wrote this story is called Michael Gunning, right? He's, he's a Jamaican swimmer. So he would have been. He's see, been I, see I, I've never heard of him. No, I haven't heard of him either. But the the story there is him and another black swimmer, so it's obviously becoming more common. Yeah, and what? But what would make swimming be a sport where the representation is not encouraged? Where it's not encouraged? I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't know. I I, I go back. I'll tell you what I go back to, and this is just me purely making stuff up here. Historically, black people were transported in ships over the oceans. And that was a very, very unpleasant experience in the sense that many drowned, ships were down and or died on the journey. Okay. I don't, I don't know if that's anything to do with it, but it kind of instills a kind of generational fear of the ocean and water. There's that part. If I'm like I said, I'm making this up. That's interesting, isn't it? So it's almost like a genetic form of genetic trauma. Yeah, I, I'm making this up, but I, I, it's a possibility. So there's that association as well um, with the ocean. But then at the same time, if I consider you know, islanders are black or people of colour anyway, then there's a lot of swimming going on in you know, all the little yeah. islands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I'm just, I'm thinking about form, physical form. Oh, and there's no physical how, reason. And, and and that's like with sports, if you have a, if you, if you have a genetic pool whereby you're going, you've got more advantage or you're naturally, sorry, you're naturally born with physical attributes, which a complement a specific sport then that's great and I think that with the with a black community like and with, with, and with the sporting community with the sporting community it's all about the shoulders it's all about the broad shoulders the broad chest the height for example so if you've got height and you've got the broad shoulders that's the very basic of you know you've you know for for swimming and you know a lot, a lot, yeah, and a lot of people um, with the a lot of people in the black community have that specific form. It's not that's not the barrier. 
Exactly. And that's yeah. what makes me think. Exactly. That's exactly it, Tracy, because it makes me think. Then why? That's where mm. that's where my question mark comes from. Well, there's lots of lots of hypotheses. Mine is a partly the generational trauma associated with water. And this whole um, also, if you think about when America, where you had separate things, you know, where was swimming pool accessible as well? Accessibility like back in the day, mm. so lots of reasons. And then the practical, more for women than men, is that literally your hair. There's lots of reasons, but it's not just like black people. You don't see many Indian swimmers either. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of the, the Indian swimmers, so lack of Indian swimmers, I would probably say, again, going back to um, the physical form, a lot you don't in the Indian community like being really tall and having broad shoulders that's that's fairly rare in the Indian community yeah. it so, might be rare but there will be some yeah there will be some of course of course but in, in terms of playing to your advantage mm. so that in terms of community that's the that's the, in swimming but the the physicality needed to succeed in a sport like swimming is very rarely found in the, in an Indian community. But that aside, you go to a just go to public pool. You know, forget that you're doing it for sporting competition, and you're just doing it for the natural health benefits and the joy of it. Yeah. So with with, with I mean with, with the Indian community, I'd probably say that you know there isn't there aren't a lot of Indian communities that I can think of. Of course, there's the, the, the line, there's the coastal line, um, like, for example, Goa and Kerala, where there's, and where there's, there's lots of fishermen there, for example. There's a community, there's a large community of fishermen there where they go out on boats, they jump into the sea with the nets, that kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's, they do that, they do that work in the sea for, for their work, for their food, um, for their livelihood. So they don't see it. They don't see it as a need for enjoyment as mm. leisure. They see it as work. So being in the water, you only need to be in the water for work. It's all about work. Yeah. So I don't know. We can't answer the questions of why, but we we can see that there's a lack of representation. Mm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I talk about the practicalities for women specifically, but it's not impossible. And I was delighted to hear about the swimming hat. For black for black people, that's a company that's done that. But yeah, we can't really say why. But I mean, like black people don't swim and black people sink. Yeah. The only time the yeah. only time they sunk was as slaves in the ships. That's probably where those comments are coming from then. Possibly. Yeah. Which, which have that under but you know, that's that, that's racist undertones, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, um, not, it's not the yeah, and but if you don't understand. Been, that that's just yeah and but it hasn't been enough to obviously um deter the success of um, the little mermaid so um so that's good news and I, I get that she's a mermaid she lives underwater but that's not the focus I mean the focus isn't how great a swimmer she is in the film really it's a love story no between, yeah. you know it's not yeah. so important <laughs> the swimming part. To be honest, I actually am not I'm not familiar with the story. So um, yeah, go watch it. Oh, I'm I'm not familiar with that story. Oh no, yeah. 
really? Yeah. In fact, right. who was it? Um, did you, who was it? Was it? It was Hans Christian Andersen, wasn't mm-hmm. it? That wrote mm-hmm. the original, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know this, so um, I don't know if you did, but you know the the Disney again another Disney production, Frozen. Yeah, the characters in Frozen are an honorable honorable nod to Hans Christian Andersen, who wrote the Snow Queen. No, I didn't know that. So uh, there's a character, I think, in, and I'm, I'm probably sure I'm going to get this wrong, but there's the four characters in Frozen are Hans, uh, there's Kristoff, um, and there's Olsen. Anna, uh-uh. and there's uh, the fourth one, I can't remember, so it's Hans Christian Andersen. So Sven. Olsen. Sven. Isn't that an Olsen? Sven. So it's Anna, Anna Sven, which is his surname. And then there's Hans and then Christoph. So there we go. So something you probably didn't know about Frozen. I did not know that, but I don't know a lot about Frozen, I'll be honest. I have seen it that once. Okay. So Uh, so yeah, because uh, it was written, the Snow Queen was written by Hans Christian Andersen and uh, and Frozen, the story was inspired and they wanted to obviously honour and... uh, on a, the, the author and they yeah. made nod, nod there aren't they okay right well yes, so that's, that's, that's what Disney did so what would we do what would we do what, what would we do, we do? can you hear this nothing yes are you coming to the game next week I don't know if I can make it things are a little bit tricky for court case court case what are you doing wrong sorry I can put you in contact with a lawyer friend of mine he can get you off anything I am the lawyer. Wow. You don't often see a fellow like you, you know, as a lawyer. Fair play, mate. Stereotyping. When we don't face the problem, we become the problem. There you go. Did you hear that? I did, yes. Yes, I did. So that in so to give context, that's that's a scenario where there's two fathers who are oh no there's like the four yeah there's, there's there's a number of fathers um, the scene is at a, a school sports ground and they're watching their kids play and one father says to the other father about what you're doing on a weekend and I'm coming next to the game next week yeah and the father repl- responds by saying oh he's not sure he's got a court case coming up and the father the other father responds by saying oh oh what you're in trouble for I can. I know of a good lawyer, and uh, the and the father says, "I am the lawyer." And the actual the father is actually a, uh, is a, is a, is a black man, right? Yeah, he's a black and, man. Mm-hmm. And the person he's talking to is a white, a white man. man. He's a white father. Yeah. So and so that's how it plays out. Basically. And also, he's like, "Oh, you don't know me, see fellas like you." Yeah, that's which the is the out the very out and out stereotype. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like saying, oh, you know, oh, I'm not racist, but kind of like thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm not racist, but we don't love to see black fellas yeah. as lawyers. Yeah. yeah. So stereotype, <clears throat> that was really good. So now you're the other father or mothers stood there. What would you do? What would I do in that situation? Well, I'd probably turn to the white father and hand him a spade and say, mate, you're going to be needing this because you need to dig yourself out of a big hole. That's so hashtag awkward. That's so hashtag awkward. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd, I'd be embarrassed. 
I feel really embarrassed. Hence me, he's uh, a spade mate. I think you're going to need it. Yeah, I, I'd be embarrassed as well. I probably wouldn't say anything in front of everyone. I'd probably go and talk to that guy on his own. The guy that said the comment about, uh, you don't normally see guys like you. I mean, what would I be expecting? I'd be expecting an apology. I think that would be go a long way, but not that he would give it. Yeah, and I but, think maybe that's why that's why I'd probably add humour into the situation. If I was on the sideline, I'd want to try and diffuse that situation because that type of situation, it has a potential to escalate. You know, there's emotions okay. there, there's wrong intentions there, there's there's um, there's discrimination there, um, there's lack of knowledge there, there's assumption there. There's so many factors that that are there that are present mm -hmm. which if blended could escalate it could you're right and i'm so, not saying directly confronting there that's what yeah, i'm not saying and, yeah See, that's your your way and this is what i would do yeah because i'm saying yeah, what so, i would do yeah so that's what i'd do i'd probably i'd probably try and add humor to the situation I would a very probably, a very hashtag awkward situation i and what i would do is i would talk to that guy later not in a confrontational way to say hey that was awkward you know what you said what did you think about that and have a conversation with him and see what he what he feels about that situation and maybe suggest but he might probably come up with it himself to apologize to that man yeah can you imagine how that that white guy must feel like well, knowing in, that in that moment realizing what he said and then also realizing that the you know just for whole embarrassing side of it but it, actually interestingly in that situation mm. even after even after being told that oh that person is a lawyer he then went on to make that follow-up comment i think he was trying to dig himself out of uh, out of his hole but he just dug further yeah so how do you re how do you react you don't then this is the problem saying nothing doing nothing achieves nothing and that's the whole point of this campaign which i think is great so it's either the guy that's dug, dug the hole realizes what he's just said, say something like an apology, or the other guy standing there in, in the video, because obviously you can't hear the video, but in the video, they're giving each other the looks. And I can imagine if we were stood there, that's what we'd be doing. We'd be looking at each other going, <laughs> you need to say that. <laughs> I'd just be blatantly laughing out loud. But like, did he just say that? kind of thing and I mean I've been in a situation where somebody said something that's very that's a, they thought was a joke and that was racist and really offended me like this guy mm -hmm. in the video the perception is the black guy's offended yeah and the white guy's put his foot in it intentionally or other, unintentionally or otherwise but it's not what everybody else does and I've been in a situation where somebody's said a racial joke on my behalf directed at me thought it was funny and I've been really, really offended by it. And I didn't say anything because I was just so shocked. And the other people laughed. Now, the other people may have laughed because they thought humour would have diffused it. But it didn't, it made it worse for me because it's like, well, you even think it's funny. I see. Right. I so, see. But that's, that's, that's the thing also, um, Tracy, you know, here we talk about, you know, what would you do in that moment? I think also, uh, like you just said, 
a lot of people, you know, we don't know how we're going to respond. And a lot of times when it comes to these types of scenarios, because I myself have been in these kind of scenarios, sometimes you can freeze and you're frozen out of um, disbelief. Like it's literally disbelief that freezes you that, hold on, is this person really saying that? And did I hear that correctly? Because it sounds so stupid, you know, and it's that frozen moment that disables you to say or do what you would ideally want to do. Exactly. And that's why it's important to have these conversations because it gives you experience and a rehearsal, if you like. So you never may have been in this situation, but if you're listening to somebody like us talking about it and talking about what you would do, you might just recall that in the moment. But if you've never talked about it, never educated yourself on this type of thing, then you don't have any resources to draw from in the moment where you might be frozen or you might be have a nervous laugh. I have a girlfriend that laughs nervously when something negative happens. She does that a lot. I don't know if she does it so much now, but she used to anyway. And so it's it's having that resource to draw from in the moment. And the only way you're going to do that is by educating yourself and thinking, well, how how could I? What's what could be the best way to respond in that situation? Yeah, but and also making sure that you're not looking out for that type of situation to come up. You're not going out there, you know, deliberately looking for that type of situation to occur. Well, I don't know why you would be. It's more if it happens, it happens. If you're yeah. if you find yourself in that situation, you find yourself in that situation. I don't know how you would do that, really. But yeah, I just thought that was a really good uh, video. It's not a short video, a really obvious one. Um, but yeah how would you handle it is is always the question so that would be my my personal thing would be to talk to that guy away from other people to see what he thinks about how that went and what what happened yeah and and it's also about how to approach that that conversation with that person you know I think that's that's also important about how would you then open up that conversation after the event? I think that's the reason why, for me, my my I I would probably I would probably literally call it out and call out that hashtag moment incident. You know, I literally say something like, "Oh, that's 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 a little bit awkward," you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, actually call it out. Yeah, like I say, there's there's so it's number there's of- no there's a number of ways you can handle it. But I think it's important to, to handle it. And if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. Still better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was us on the What Would You Do? Yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good one. A good one. Thanks for that. Except for that. That's good. All right, lovely. I'll head off now. It's lovely to see you have this great conversation. Great. Yeah. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Yep. Until then. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. 
Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at allwoneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!